Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw. On this Monday afternoon, good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Bernsie, what's going on? Just trying to be louder than the Philly guys next to us on Media Row. What do you think? Have we accomplished our mission? Yeah, good. You know what? It's the, our, our boss, you know, for the first time in a year, I just yeah. got a thumbs up from him. So that's good. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. I'm glad I finally improved. Impressed you after all this time. That's our boss. Yeah, right over there. <laughs> That's right there. That's him. I got to introduce myself. <laughs> when did he? When did he come? When did he start? Have to introduce me. Yeah. yeah, our goal during show yeah. prep was here. We're, we're parked right next to the Philly station. Right. Gamble's like, oh, we're going to be so much louder right. than them. I'm like, yeah, you're damn right we are. Yeah. We're going to be so much louder than them. Yeah, you, might, gonna, yeah. I'm you guys do I'm from New York, yeah. right? So. I'm going to yell straight up 2 o'clock, and then you're going to do your thing for four hours. <laughs> and we're just we're going to drown those guys Ooh, out, man. man. But we got a lot to talk about today. Oh, we Jeez. do. We are live at Media Row, and our Media Row coverage is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings as we are down here at Media Road, downtown Phoenix, Super Bowl 57. Walking around, taking in all the sights as downtown is being transformed, getting ready for the big game. And yeah, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. You ready to get to work? Let's Gambo? do it. Let's, Let's roll absolutely do it. Tell you what our top story of the day is here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. It went down over the weekend. Kyrie Irving got traded to the Dallas Mavericks. So we'll talk about that specifically a little later on in the show. Oh, this Suns story and where we go with this now. Reportedly, the Phoenix Suns offered Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and a draft pick in order to get Kyrie Irving. And somehow that trade offer was leaked to the media and was reported over the weekend by Chris Haynes and Sham Sharania. Clean up on Isle Suns, anyone? Do we have a message to deal with? I don't think there is. You got a chance to get Kyrie Irving. You get a player. You go seven years younger than Chris Paul. Chris only, you know, Chris after this year only has a partially guaranteed contract for next year. He's older. He wears down. He's had some injuries. Kyrie's a headache unto itself. So, I mean, if you looked at the head Headlines today in the New York Daily News. It was great. It was a great headline, and it was just like your headache now. I mean, that was the headache. That was the um, the headline. That was the headline. I'm just trying to find it on my notes here, but that was the headline in the paper today. It's like that's your your headache now. Here's what it says. It goes. Um, Nets deal Kyrie to Mavs for, oh, who cares? He's finally gone. <laughs> He's your headache now. You know, that was it. Now, I had spoken with the Dallas Mavericks on Friday, and I mentioned to you on Friday that they're, they're in on Kyrie. They like Kyrie. They want to try to get him. So we reported that on Friday that the Mavs were in on Kyrie after I spoke with Dallas uh, that they liked him. I didn't know if they were going to get him or not. But um, And then the Suns, listen, I'm not surprised the Suns were in on that. Remember, we usually rule things out and yep. play Don't Fear the Reaper, but we didn't do that with Kyrie because nope. I could not get any confirmation that the Suns were not interested in Kyrie. So not surprising that the Suns were in on it, but also not surprising that the Dallas Mavericks were able to get him and combine him with Luka. Bobby Marks was a guest this morning on the Bickley and Murata show, and he said, frankly, I'm not surprised CP3 was included in a potential Irving 
being traded. Doesn't that surprise me? I mean, we've heard Phoenix being linked to Fred VanVleet, and I think you're probably looking at it. Um, how do we upgrade the point guard position? Um, you know, Chris has got two more years left, and it's you know not fully guaranteed. Irving is certainly younger. He's a better player. Certainly, the risk comes with um, signing him. Um, you know, to a long-term deal. I think for Phoenix perspective, you you don't have the you don't have the flexibility to go out and get Kyrie as a free agent. You don't have the flexibility to go out and get a guy like Fred VanVleet um, in in free agency. And the, the trade route is your best uh, your best way to, to do it. Now, what was interesting about the reporting that was done in the last twenty four hours about this was that Shams made it sound like that the Suns basically made this offer for Kyrie Irving in the initial like eighteen hours after it was revealed that Kyrie wanted out. And they didn't really add on to their offer, right? There was this report where Brooklyn almost wanted more draft picks. Three first round like if they had gone picks. up to if three first three, round draft right. picks, they, they could have potentially had a deal on this. Right. And the Suns, after about 18 hours, never really refreshed the deal, never really circled back, and and that was that. Gambo, we talked a lot about this on Friday, hypothetically trading Chris Paul for Kyrie, what it would have done, how it would have changed the dynamic. I wonder if Suns fans today are feeling like an opportunity passed them by, or if they're glad, to your point about the New York headlines, they're glad they don't have to deal with Kyrie Irving the headache anymore. Yeah, it's almost like, are you glad that the Cardinals didn't get Sean Payton because you didn't have to give up all that that inventory? And are you glad that the Suns didn't get Kyrie? Look, Kyrie's a great player. And, and I you know, I checked in with the Mavs again today, and like they, they kind of feel like, you know, Luka's unreal, and, and if you put a star around him, he's going to be even better. That the West is wide open, that they already get the most open threes in the league, and now it's going to be even more. And that they're still not done. That they will unlock in the summer. They'll unlock another first-round pick. They'll have three first-round picks to go after a, a three-and-D type player. You know, maybe an OG Ananobi or somebody like that. Or two really good role players. So either a star or two really good role players. So they, they, they feel like this is a good move for them now. But then in the summer... They're going to have those three first-round draft picks, and they're going to try to do something else really big so that way they have a team that can compete for a championship next year. Yeah, it's. I, I tell you, we'll talk more about this from Dallas's perspective in a little bit. It's either going to be a spectacular success or a spectacular failure. I, I don't think there's any in-between when it comes to pairing right. up Kyrie and Luka. I mean, it is either going to be great or it is going to be awful, and there is no in-between. Now, today, the Suns are in New York getting ready to take on the Nets. <laughs> Irony, tomorrow, right? Um, uh, with no Kyrie Irving. Devin Booker, it was announced today. We'll be back. We'll talk about that in a bit. Monty Williams today, quote, on Chris Paul reportedly being in the deal, quote, it kind of bothered me, to be honest. A lot of times a guy's name is out there, and it's just a lot of people throwing stuff out there maybe to get their deal done, and so they use us. Certainly wasn't anything that, based on my conversations with James Jones, that we did. So when I heard about it, I was like, this is part of the business. We understand it. But from my perspective, it kind of bothered me. So he's trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube just a little bit, like, 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 based off of my conversations with James, we didn't do this. So Monty's trying to make it sound like they didn't offer up Chris Paul. Chris, when asked about it, basically acknowledged, yeah, I heard about it. It's business. I'm going to well, play. Don't listen, worry about it. I, I've done this for a long time. There's offering a deal and there's talking about a deal. Sometimes you talk about a deal, but you don't make an offer. What would it take to get it done? Well, who would you be willing to trade? You kind of you talk about players, but it doesn't mean that an offer was made. Now, I'm going to try to get to the bottom of this. I haven't yet, but I'm trying to. 
But I think it's possible that, you know, players were talked about, but no offer was made. That happens a lot in the NBA, you know, and then, and then things get out. I mean, I've, I've, and I've, I've talked to so many teams about this over the years when they, when it's reported that they offered something, they're like, yeah, but we didn't offer anything. Like, we talked about players, but, and that's what you do. You talk about everybody on your roster. Yeah. You talk about everybody on your roster. Would you be willing to, well, maybe we'd be willing to move this guy. But no offer was really made. So it's possible that an offer was not made, and they just discussed, you know, players on the roster. Chris Paul, quote, it's business. I've seen crazier. The way I found out I was traded from Houston, you just show up to work and be a pro day in, day out. Nobody's exempt from being traded. Find out just like everybody else. Close quote. We'll talk a little later on in the show yeah, how about he's affected how by he's affected by this. And, and But to think that the Suns, you know, that it was mentioned so out loud. And then we got to get into, too, you know, why it was leaked. You know, how unusual it was that that specific offer came out. It seems very damaging, potentially, to the Suns. One other thing we want to mention about the Suns, and this is just coming down uh, within the last 15 minutes or so. Um, according to Baxter Holmes of ESPN, Jason Rowley has tendered his resignation as president of the Phoenix Suns. Yes, and um, I just I, I talked to him just a short time ago, and he said that's just the way these things go. I think he always knew that, you know, with Matt Ishbia coming in or Robert Sauber on the way out, that when that when that transaction was finalized, that the, that Matt Ishbia was going to bring in his own people, his own president, and surround himself with people he knows. So uh, I did talk to Jason just a short time ago, and he said it's just it's just the way things go. So he, ex- I'm sure he expected it. So he stayed on as long as he could to keep the ship going in the in the right direction. And but in the end, I think he always knew the Matt was going to come in and bring his own people. In. Join us on Thursday, February 9th from two until six. This Thursday, we're going to be at Safeway on 83rd and Camelback for Coca-Cola's Game Time Rewards. Meet NFL alumni Jay Feely, enter to win over $50,000 in prizes. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for complete event details. When we come back, and then for three, three candidates, one of which will be the next head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, live from the Phoenix Convention Center and Meteor Row. Arizona Sports. Cardinals head coaching search update. 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 Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell will be looking for his next head coach. He is now onto his second round of interviews, and so far, our understanding is there will be three gentlemen who will be interviewing for the job. One of them, and Peter Schrager will be happy to hear this, is Lou Anarumo, the Bengals defensive coordinator. He is set up for an interview with Bidwell in person later this week. Mike Kafka, the Giants offensive coordinator, also in the mix, as is Brian Flores, the assistant coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then there were three, Gambo, and then there were three. Yes. Got a tip the other day that they real. we talked about this on our show Friday. Eric did a great job of cutting up the sound and putting it out there. Um, I got a tip that the Cardinals really liked Mike Kafka. Had a great interview with him. Really liked him. He was very impressive. Uh, And then it came out on Saturday that he was going to get a second interview. But now we are down to three. We are down to Lou Anaromo, we're down to Brian Flores, and we're down to Mike Kafka. One coach has head coaching experience, yep. two are defensive-oriented guys, and one is an offensive-oriented guy. So it is down to three candidates. What we're hearing now is that the Cardinals will announce their next head coach early next week. 
So they will very unlikely that they would make an announcement during Super Bowl week. But I think it'll be early next week. You might want to look at Tuesday. That uh, I expect on Tuesday we will be talking about the Cardinals having a new head coach. Yeah, I do wonder if it leaks before then, right? Like if it comes out before then, uh, if they're able to keep it under wraps. You know, I, I know the NFL. I'm sure this week wants this week to be about the Super Bowl and only about the Super Bowl and the focus on the game, and they don't want anything taking away from that. And to be honest with you, from a Cardinal standpoint, they might get more attention if they wait until after the Super Bowl because there's just so much NFL going on right now. We we know this according to the reports. Uh, Flores is doing his second interview on Wednesday. Kafka's going to do his on Tuesday on Zoom. And Arumo is going to do his Friday also on Zoom from what I understand. So it's quite possible nothing gets out this week because maybe no final decision is made this no, week, right? No, like no. it's if, if they're not doing the final second interview until Friday, it stands the reason they might not know for sure until Friday afternoon, Saturday. Now, I would guess, I would guess... Michael knows which of the three he wants to hire at this point. I, I, I would think. Yep. Well, he has to hour it down to three. Yeah. So I would think that he's, you know, I, I, that he likes all three. I mean, it, to get to this point, you like all three. I'm you not just saying he doesn't sure. like all three. I'm sure, like with anything, there's a lean. Right there's yeah. a, there's a lean there's there's got to be a lean there's got to be a little bit of a you know I I I, I liked candidate A but let's talk to B and C just to be sure right just to have a, I, I, maybe I'm wrong I'm just guessing that at this point I'm sure there's a li- at least a little bit of a lean in the room um, anything about these three that stands out to you anything about these three that that Flores has the connections to Monty Austin for it. I thought he did a good job as a head coach um, I think he'd be a solid hire I mean Lou his was not a guy we were talking about a few weeks ago but when you look at the job he's done he seems to be a leader of men. Seems to know how to do a, do a great job with halftime adjustments and the job he's done in Cincinnati. He's been second to none. Kafka is a little bit of a wild card because he's he's young. He's thirty five years old. He's a former quarterback in the league, but he also did a really good job in Kansas City under Andy Reid, and they did a great job with Daniel Jones this year. So I, I think you know, and, and I said I was leaning Kafka because I think it's a lot easier. And, and Michael Bidwell had said this to us years ago, and I think he's right. I think it's a lot easier to hire the offensive guy and then get a good defensive coordinator yeah. than it is to hire the defensive guy and then get a good offensive coordinator. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that thinking is a little dated. You know, I feel like that thinking is not as relevant, maybe. I mean, I know there it's still majority offensive coaches that are in the NFL. Man, I, I, I hope I hope that's still not the criteria that they're judging this by. You know, like, I, I, I hope that's not, well, we want to hire an offensive guy because, A, that's the trend, and, B, what if we have to replace the hire the best coach you know hire the best leader Hire the best guy who's going to command the respect in the room. Don't hire the guy because he's the offensive guy. I just, I hope that's not the reason, you know, that it's Kafka. I hope Kafka, that it's, he came because he was the best and because he was the leader of men and because he did all of those things that we talk about them doing. Um, I, I My inclination is Flores because of the Monty connection. Yeah. His name was the last one to kind of be brought to the table for a second interview. I think he was the last of the three to be reported that it was going to happen. Uh, I'm assuming his is in person. It sounds like it potentially is. Now, along with that comes guys who have been ruled out. So this means uh, Aaron Glenn has been ruled out. Uh, obviously, Ejiro Aviro has been ruled out. He's taken the defensive coordinator's job for Carolina. Vance Joseph has been ruled out. But we got to talk about Vance for a minute. Because he's still under contract. Yes. Yeah, because I think you, if you hire Kafka, 
you might be able to keep Vance as your defensive coordinator. Like there's a sh- now, I think if you hire Flores or you hire Lou Anaromo, I don't think you keep Vance on at all. But I think the reason you haven't let Vance go is because if you did hire Kafka. He could be the offensive guy, and he's the head coach, but then you could still bring Vance back as the defensive coordinator. He is under contract. The guys liked him. He did a pretty good job. So I would think the only reason he hasn't been let out is because of the possibility. Think about what other reason would you uh, would No, that'd be the only reason. Around? That's just not fair to him because if the new head coach decides he doesn't want to keep Vance Joseph and then all of the other teams have hired their defensive coordinators, he kind of gets screwed he in gets the deal. He gets screwed in the deal. I mean, mm-hmm. the, 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 the cool thing to do is to do what Denver did with a zero of zero. Hey, we're going to release you from your contract. You know, we're we're gonna we're gonna let you go talk to other teams. We're gonna let you go explore the marketplace. I think, especially if there's interest in, I think it was San Francisco who was interested in Vance Joseph. I, that feels like the only fair thing to do. Besides, I I don't. I want, yeah, but we did this with Cliff a couple of years ago. I don't want new head coach to come in here and feel like he has to take leftover defensive coordinator. That's not how this should be. That's not how this should work. You know, he, he should be able to pick his own defensive coordinator. Monty Austin Ford should be able to pick his own defensive coordinator. They shouldn't have to be. Now, maybe they would choose Vance, but I, I feel like it should be an open market rather than, well, we've got him under contract for one more year. He can just be your defensive coordinator. It, we did that with Steve, with, with Kime and Cliff. Right? Like, oh, you've never been a head coach before. I'm going to fill your staff for you. No. If you hired Kafka, you'd be hiring a 35-year-old guy. You might want to assist with the coaches. You might want to. But I don't. Because he's 35. I just think that was such flawed thinking the last time around. I don't think they should do it again. Yeah. Unless Kopka says, listen, I know who I want to hire. I mean, you know, let, listen, maybe Kopka has a, you know, likes Vance. You just don't know. I mean, Vance I don't, is a quality. De- I, listen, there are all the defensive coordinators out there. Vance is right up there with all of them. He's I a agree. quality defensive guy. That's why I'm advocating the Cardinals letting him out of his contract. I, I think he should have the right to be able to go pursue other jobs and not be kept around as maybe he gets a Cardinals job. Maybe he doesn't. Because if he doesn't, I don't know if there's going to be a D.C. job left for him. He'll still get paid, you know, but but that's if he wants to coach. I, I just think you, that element has to be considered here, too, and he should be set free. That and the fact that the new head coach should be able to choose whoever he wants. Brian Callahan's been ruled out. He's been told he's out of the running. Aaron Glenn, as I mentioned, has been ruled out. He's been told he's out of the running. Vance Joseph is out. He's been told he's out of the running. Um, those are the down, three guys. So now we got a three. We're down to three candidates. You like Flores. I like Flores a lot. Of those three, I like Flores a lot. Just because, he A, has head coaching experience. previous head coaching experience, B, he is going to be a real hot cup of coffee for Kyler Murray, and, and I think Kyler could use a hot cup of coffee. Um, and C, because I think, given that previous experience, there are probably some things that if he got another chance of being a head coach to do it again, he would do better. The intriguing one to me is, is Anaromo. That's the intriguing one. Tell me why. He's done such a great job with that defense. Like, he's done such a great job. Like, those numbers, like those second-half numbers, what he does to every team in the league. Phenomenal. Ability to shut them down. I am not against the defensive guy, especially when you've got the investments in Zayvon Collins and Buda and Isaiah and Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, and all these young. You've got a lot of good young defensive players. So, to me... That would not be a bad hire right there. I, 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 I'm very intrigued by him. Texas, your thoughts on the Cardinals coaching search, the FanDuel text line. It is open for you at 620-620 right now. When we come back, good news for the Suns. Devin Booker is back. Good news for the Suns. They keep winning without him. 
That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. We are live from Media Row and Super Bowl 57. Burns and Gambo down here, as has been the entire crew on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That includes Eric Ruby, who's down here. Your first Media Row, First Media Row. First public straight up 2 o'clock at the beginning of the show. That was a pretty big moment. People look. It's what they do. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, you got a poll question for us, and it has to do with, I think, the question that's on everybody's mind today. How's Chris doing? Right. It's a little strange. Usually you don't see reports from the Suns leaking about potential trades. So when it popped up yesterday after Kyrie gets sent to the Mavs, it was a little bit weird, for lack of a better term. So our question today is, are you worried about Chris Paul's name getting leaked as a potential Kyrie Irving trade package? Yes or no? No, I am not. No, he's a professional. He's a professional. He'll figure it out. You know, listen, what's Chris Paul going to do? Sulk? Be upset? The tank on the Suns? He's gonna, he, he doesn't have many champ, champ, championships. He doesn't have a championship. Right. doesn't have many years left. I mean, there's nothing you can do. Just go out there and play hard. There Try are, to win. There are players I would worry about. Legit players I would worry about. Chris Paul is not somebody I would worry about. Not one about. of them. I, I, I think he'll be okay. Survey says? This one, overwhelmingly agreeing with you guys. Men of the people, as always, 75.6% say they have no worry about Chris Paul's name being leaked, meaning 25% say they do. Hmm. Okay. That's uh, a little more overwhelming than I thought. I thought it was going to be closer to 50-50. That's the poll question. You can find it, as always, on the Burns and Gimbo Twitter page, at Burns and Gimbo. One word is where you can find it. All right. Devin Booker. This is from Dwayne Rankin's Twitter account. Oh, you know what? You can't hear because I don't have the cord plugged in. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Devin Booker is going to be back tomorrow against the Brooklyn Nets scambo, and yet the Suns keep finding ways to win without him. A huge win Friday against Boston, and then a very nice win, a very nice win on um, on Saturday against Detroit. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was shocked at that Boston win. Just absolutely shocked at the Celtics. And we said it on, on Friday. Like The only way the Suns lose to the Celtics, if the Celtics come out and they just totally disregard that the Phoenix Suns are a threat. So, I mean, the, the Suns built a 20-point lead, mainly when Robert Williams was sitting down. DeAndre Easton, uh, DeAndre Ayton just feasted, you know, in the paint. And then for the rest of the game, the Celtics are playing catch-up, trying to catch up, trying to get a run, trying to get close enough. But for a team without Devin Booker, without Cam Johnson did not play in that game, without Cam Payne, without Landry Shamit. I mean, to come back, and the Celtics were only missing Marcus Smart. They had Tatum. They had Brown. For them to win that game was absolutely sensational. Now, Jason Tatum was terrible, he was terrible in the game. I mean, he was bad. The rest of the Celtics were bad. But Tatum got off to a really rough start. He didn't hit his first field goal until it was 335 remaining in the second quarter. Yeah. It was the first time he missed. So, but he wasn't alone. The rest of the Celtics outside of him was seven for twenty-eight from behind the arc, twenty-five percent. Jalen Brown was three of twelve. Brogdon was zero for three. So they couldn't hit the broadside of the barn, and the Suns took advantage of that. Yeah, and and it was it was really truly on Friday. Uh, and we don't normally talk about Friday games on a Monday. We're only doing it because it was the best team in the NBA, and the Suns handled them the way they did. And now it got to within three a couple times in the second half. The bench was huge. Damian Lee was huge. No, 
Chad, mention your guy. Go ahead. Oh, Dario? Go ahead. Oh, do you mean the guy who had 14 points, 13 rebounds, oh was goodness. 4 of 7 from oh. 3? Oh, my God. And was, Hi, was, Dave. Uh, this is Dario. Hi, Dario. Yeah. Thank you oh. for, for everything you're doing, Dario. Appreciate Ooh. that. What were those numbers again for Dario Sarge? 14 points, 13 rebounds, Ooh. 4 of 7 from distance. My goodness. My Your boy, unathletic Dario. boy getting it done oh. out there. Flashing that old man at the rec center game. Has yeah. he, he's got that in spades, man. Jock Landale, 9.7 rebounds, 3 assists. Ish Wainwright, 9.6 rebounds, 2 blocks. Damian Lee was a plus 30 yeah. against the Celtics. He was a plus 30. He was great. He had 11 points, hit 3 or 4 from deep. The bench really stepped up. I mean, they really kept expanding the lead. Every time they game, it came into the game, they kept expanding the lead. They did a great job. Yeah, and I thought Aiton, that game, even though most of his scoring came in the first quarter, I thought defensively he was really, really engaged. Like in ways we haven't seen DeAndre Eaton engaged this year, he was really engaged. Well, then, well, then, and that was my like transition. That. Yeah, if you, you like that. You like that. Let me show you what happened on Saturday because on Saturday, DeAndre Eaton on what did he take? Like nine shots, and he had thirty-one points. It wasn't quite like that, but it was close. He, he took, was incredible. He took fifteen shots. He missed two. That's the efficient DeAndre Eaton that we talk about. When he's efficient like that. He's a tough guy not to like, you know. He was 13 out of 15 from the field. He only missed one of his six free throws. Chris Paul did a great job of getting him involved early and often in that game. Chris only had two points. Chris didn't score in that game. But Chris had 14 assists. But DeAndre Ayton was the key in that game. I mean, he he was the key. Um, Game high, 31 points. Matched the season high with the 13 of 15 shooting. He got the 16 rebounds in 31 minutes. It's, that's his first 30 and 15 game as a Phoenix Sun. First time he's got gone for 30 and 15 in a okay, game. That's wrong. That it took him this long to have a 30 and 15 game. That's a, that's a, that's a, lot, of, that's a lot of action to get 30 I, and 15. I, I know, but DeAndre Eaton's got a lot of talent. DeAndre Ayton's got a lot of skill that other guys in this league doesn't have. It shouldn't have taken this long. I, I know that's meant to be a compliment for him, and, and I, yeah. I I do intend it to be. A, I'm glad he got a 30 for 30 and 15 game. He probably should have had one before Saturday night against the Detroit Pistons after four years in the NBA. Yeah. That was my thought when I saw him. Like, man, really? Chris had one before. Chris 0 for seven from the field, but it didn't matter. They didn't, didn't matter. need his scoring. No. He did a great job with the assists. Mikhail was good scoring the basketball. Uh, no Cade Cunningham for them. Cam Johnson. You know, after sitting out a couple of you know a couple of games, the game because he he had played really poorly, um, and then they sat him out against Boston, and he came back, and I think that rest did him some good because he knocked down seven out of nine shots. Yeah. So I really liked what they got out of Cam, giving him that rest against the Celtics. Yeah. Now Cam was good, Mikel was good, Troy Craig was good, Ish Wainwright again finishing the game with the starters. He was good. Uh, Matt Ishbia was courtside. His company is located in Pontiac. Michigan. He was right there. We're expecting this to be Matt Ishbia week. We're expecting still some sort of a press conference. We're thinking on Wednesday that we're going we're gonna to hear from the new owner of the Phoenix Suns, and that's going to be made official. Now the Suns aren't in action until tomorrow night when they take on the Nets. Yes, it has been announced. Devin Booker is going to return. Clearly, he's going to be all pent up, and he's going to have a lot. You know, he's missed a lot of time. He's going to have a lot to get out there. And don't look now at the standings, Gambo. They're only a 
game and a half behind the third seed in the Western yeah, Conference. Yeah, they're not going to get one or two, I don't think. But to get three or four would be great. You know, get that home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. I think that's that would be really good. Look, I mean, we're going to see what happens at this trade deadline because all of these teams that are in contention, you got to expect that these teams are going to make some moves. You know, you're going to expect everybody's going to, everybody's in contention going to make some moves because the West is truly, truly wide open. So we'll see what happens. But I, uh, you know, I expect the Suns to be making a move too. I expect Jay Crowder to be traded. So hopefully the Suns can add a piece or two that can help them as well. Yeah, it's just a question of, you know, and we've had this conversation so many times, what do they do beyond Jay Crowder? Because I think the Jay Crowder trade at this point could be so small and so minimal. I, I Everybody is talking about the Suns as if they're going to be one of the busiest teams at the deadline. Is that because of Ishbia? Does he want to make a splash? Does he want to do something big and bold? Does, I, I mean, I think those are all the questions Suns fans are kind of asking themselves right now. Or is this just going to be another kind of typical James Jones ho-hum trade deadline? I, I think the, the thing that makes the putt hard to read is Ishbia. Is it Ishbia? I think it's Durant. I think it all depends on Durant. Because you know this. I mean, if you do want to go for Durant in the summer, if you can't get him now and you want to go for him in the summer, you're not trading any of your first-round picks. You can't. You can't trade any first-round picks. Right. So that takes you out of going after all of these guys. Now, you know me. Last week, I ruled out Collins and OG Ananobi, and I ruled out a lot of players that uh, that have been talked about as potentially coming here. But if you are interested in Kevin Durant, you say, look, the summer's the time to get him. You can't trade a first-round pick. Can't. So that might keep them, and we'll talk about this later, but it might keep them kind of quiet. Yeah, potentially. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, you never know who you're going to bump into on Media Row. Baseball season is around the corner. ASU baseball head coach Willie Bloomquist is going to stop by. He'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It's Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week. Burns and Gambo, live from the Phoenix Convention Center and Meteor Row. All right, we were scheduled to chat with Willie Bloomquist, so we're still hoping to be able to, but uh, as is usually the case with live radio, it's a little bit of a moving target every now and then. So we'll, uh, we will do what we can to catch up with our good friend Willie Bloomquist, the head baseball coach over at ASU, as they get ready to open up their season. But that does not mean that there's a shortage of things to talk about. As Gambo and I are live here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, and we are live from Media Row here for Super Bowl 57. Our Media Row coverage is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. Kind of a carryover from our last segment is Matt Ishbia. We are expecting this to be the week that Matt Ishbia is going to be introduced. I'm being told that the transaction is scheduled to close tomorrow. Okay. That the transaction will close tomorrow. Some interesting things just to go over. Um, information that I've been able to get through some some working and reporting and things like that. You know, Matt Ishbia is paying $4 billion. Robert Sauber is selling all 37% of the stake, his stake in the team. So if you do the math, that's one. $1.48 billion. So Robert Sauber, who purchased the team for $400 million with other investors, will walk away with $1.48 billion before you know, Uncle Sam takes taxes. That's 37%. The interesting thing is there's only one other shareholder that is um, uh, the Dial Home Corp partners that are selling their entire stake, okay. which is 6%. So only one other partner is selling their entire stake. There are three shareholders 
three shareholders that are not selling any of their shares. Andy Kohlberg, John Najafi, Andy Kohlberg owns 10%. John Najafi controls 8%, 5% of which is his 3% are in trust for his brother's children or something like that. And then Scott Selber, who owns 4%. So those are the three shareholders that are not selling any. What I'm being told is that the remaining partners are selling approximately right around 25% of their stake. So they're all staying on, but they just have less of a share. That way, when it's all finished, Matt Ishbia will own 57% of the Suns with his brother. So Robert is selling all 37%. That's worth $1.48 billion. There's another investor selling all 6%. That's the Dial Home Corp partners. Three shareholders are not selling any of their shares. Andy Kolberg, John Najafi, Scott Selber. The remaining partners, uh, that's about not nine, eight or nine of them, are selling 25% of their stake, which triples their initial investment. So the rest will be selling about 25% of their stake. So that is how it's going to play out. That information is not out. It's not public. Nobody knows it. But I wanted to put that out there so people could get a kind of an understanding as to how this transaction, this incredible big transaction, is going to go down. Now, again, I'm being told that it will be completed. It's scheduled to close tomorrow. And it, uh, 75% of the approval of the NBA's owners. When it's completed, Matt Ishby and his brother will own 57% of the team. Okay. So if that happens tomorrow, the press conference has been rumored to happen um on Wednesday. Trade deadline is, of course, on Thursday. This has all been somewhat accelerated, right, in order to get Matt Ishby in and in order to get Matt Ishby in a position to be able to authorize trades. I, I, I think, you know, and we, we're going to talk about the Kevin Durant thing, but I'll bring it up here again. I think that is one of the big questions here is how big of a splash does Matt Ishby want to make or how much of their inventory do they want to hang on for a Kevin Durant trade? Is Kevin Durant going to be available? Now, I'm going to tell you, okay, I'm going to kind of cross stories here since we're doing a little tap dance. Not sure whether we're going to get Coach Bloomquist on or not in the next couple of minutes. I'm going to tell you right now, Gambo, there's an expansion on this story now when it comes to the Nets and the Mavs trade for Kyrie Irving. Are you ready for this? Okay, there is an expansion. Okay. Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting the Nets-Mavs trade still hasn't been made official with the league because the Nets are evaluating opportunities to expand the deal with a third team. The teams are expected to make the two-team trade official in the next couple of hours unless the Nets find something bigger to fold into it. What could they be looking to do? Mark Stein, tweet. Among the possibilities for expanding the Kyrie Irving to Dallas trade before this evening's scheduled trade call, league sources say that Brooklyn has explored the feasibility of packaging Spencer Dinwiddie and draft capital to Toronto in exchange for Fred Van Fleet. So the the Nets would end up with Van Vliet. Yes. The Nets, according to this report, are trying to loop in Toronto as the third team. Send Spencer Dinwiddie there. Has to be more than Dinwiddie Van Vliet. It's got to be. Has to be more. It's got to be. I told you the Suns are not interested in Van Vliet, which I know shocked a lot of people, but I have said the Suns are not in on Van Vliet. That would make some sense that the Nets would get him because he is, you know, you, you lose Kyrie, but you get Van Vliet. That could be a way to try to keep KD to stay. Exactamundo. 
Exactly. I mean, that's exactly. Yeah. I mean, because who's a better bait at the end of the hook to get Kevin Van Durant Lee. to want to stay? Van Vliet, Spencer Dinwiddie, or Fred Van Vliet? It's not close. I, it's not even close. No, Dinwiddie's a great role player. Well, Van Vliet's a starting point guard in this league. Yeah, and a good one. They're like Kevin Durant could look at that and go, "Okay, I'm cool. I'll stay." You know, because I'm sure right now that's what they see. And then, and then, then this, Dorian Finney-Smith, you get a great defensive player with some yeah. length to help KD. And this plays right into the Suns' new ownership situation because now maybe there's no KD to wait for. Now maybe there's no KD trade to save your inventory this summer for. If KD, if they're going to get Fred Van Vliet, if I'm the Suns, I have to kind of operate on the assumption that KD is going to be cool with that. Unless, you know, obviously Brooklyn's going to have to resign Fred Van Vliet. He's going to opt out of his contract, and he's going to want to get a lot of money. But it, it seems like Fred Van Vliet is a KD. Let's make him happy. Let's keep him here. And if KD is going to be happy and KD is going to be kept in Brooklyn, then maybe the Suns can move on and not save draft capital for a trade that's never going to happen. As you know, right? that absolutely paralyzed this team last summer. You know, when Kevin Durant says he's interested, Kevin Durant's interested. Uh, you got you to gotta wait it out. Willie, come on in. Have a seat. Absolutely. Come right in over here. We are good to go. Let's make sure we get his microphone turned up. We want to make sure we, we reward Willie's hard work. Because from what I understand, it was a little challenging had getting to, in here. Had to sneak in. Joining us, the ASU head baseball coach, Willie Bloomquist, as we're live from Media Row here for Super Bowl 57. Good to see you. How the you thing, doing, man? The things I do to see you guys. Wow. I, I know. Yeah. Right? The, the hoops you had to we jump had to through. Go through. The hoops we got to jump through, but I wouldn't miss it for the world. How are you, my friend? Doing great. How about yourself? Good, good. We lost a, a great Sun Devil alum just a couple of weeks ago. How oh, the great Sal Bando. Yes, that was a heartbreaking, tough blow for the program and for, for his family. Family and everybody that knew him, just uh, all around gem of a person, and and uh, overall all around human being. What a great person! So yeah, we're we're saddened it, to, to to lose him. Isn't it amazing how many great former major league players played at ASU? 116. I mean, <laughs> you, know. you know it by heart. You better know that number off the top of your head, right? It, That's right. It, it is incredible how many great players donned the Sun Devil uniform at one point in their, in their lives. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a great program, great history and tradition, and uh, happy to carry the torch. Let's talk about this year for you. You've changed it up. After a tough year last year, your first year, it was time to bring in some new blood. What did you learn about the program last year? Was the cupboard kind of dry? Well, there? you know, there, there was some talent there, you know, certainly, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, there were some guys that, that were returning that were pretty good, and, uh, you know, but on the pitching side, we we had to spit and glue and put things together the uh, best we could. Um, and, you know, I really didn't know what to expect coming into it with, with not a whole lot of, uh, well, not any experience let's be honest uh, coming into this thing and um, you know trying to figure out what what good uh, what a good college pitcher looks like again you know from from being out of the game for a little while so uh, found out relatively quickly that we were pretty thin in that department and that was going to be a major emphasis this offseason was to try and boost up the pitching staff would you say it was a steep learning curve for you or was it pretty gradual I mean did you feel like you had time to learn it and figure it out without the pressure of expectations or does that not exist in your world no well I I think the the personal expectations are you know are, are probably more difficult than uh, you know to to tamper or, or I guess to 
Yeah, the expectations I have for myself are, are to not fail. Yes. You know, that's just that's how I'm how I'm wired. But um, you know, the administration and and Ray and, and Graham Rossini and those guys have been like, man, we we know what's going on. Just just uh, build it right. You know, build it from the ground up and and do what you have to do to to get get what you need done. And we know it's not going to happen overnight. But um, you know, try to instill the the new culture and what you want and and build it the right way. What's more important to you in building this program now? The the recruiting of the younger players or the transfer portal being able to get some other good players to come in that can help right away? Well, I think um, in the long run, I think it, it's it's building with the freshmen that are coming in. Um, but I think in our case this year, we had no choice uh, but to, to hit the transfer portal hard uh, just because we tried to get some guys that are experienced at this level. Um, you know, when I, when I took over the job, there was not a lot of, uh, I think we had three kids committed in the 22 class, you know, when I got the job. So there wasn't a whole lot, you know, and I got the job late in the summer in June, and let's be honest, that class is pretty well too picked late, over too at late that to time. Do anything, yeah. um, and let alone the 23 class. So you know, we we had a lot of work to do. We knew that we didn't have we didn't have one freshman incoming arm uh, to work with, wow. and so that's what kind of cupboard we were dealt with. Um, knowing that, we knew we needed to guy get some guys in here with some experience, and then try to have the freshmen that we that we got late in the process last year, you know, to be somewhat impactful, um, and then. As we move forward, we'll try to hopefully build with our freshmen coming in every year, but um, use the the portal as a necessity. I think this year will be a mix of both again. Uh, we'll get some definitely get some portal arms and some junior college kids that have they're a little bit older, but uh, we do have a nice group of freshmen coming in as well. So after that, we we hopefully get to get it stabilized to where it's more freshmen coming in each year. I was going to say, do you feel like you're better prepared this year to to compete at the level that you're expecting, they're expecting, that everyone's expecting? Um, I think so. I think we we've gotten um, you know that. Was was, again, the main emphasis was to go out and try to get guys with experience at this level that have done, um, that had, you know, success and and guys that, that, that can throw the ball over the plate and not, and not walk the yard because, uh, to me, that's uh, that made me gray, uh, you know, pretty quick. You know, last year was just not having guys compete and throw the ball over the plate. So, um, it's one thing if you if you have another team beat you, but when you're beating yourself and giving up free bases and uh, kicking the ball around the yard, it just, that was not a, a recipe for success uh so main thing was we focused on some older guys that have had experience and and the walk to strikeout ratio was was better than what we had and hopefully they can come in and, and do some do some good things for us you guys always play a really good schedule so what's uh what are some of the teams on the docket for this year for people that want to go out and watch sun devil baseball well we start off at home with san diego state and they'll be uh you know we, we played them last year um things got a little chippy with us last year so that should be fun to, to kick off the season with them i imagine there'll be a little carryover from that yeah. Yeah, being the first guy. Yeah, absolutely. I you mean, know, just hit that's, the first uh, guy. Uh, that's what that's what Chip and I, you know, <laughs> right. came up with with the U of A uh, rivalry. Let's let's ignite that again. So, um, but uh, we got them, and we have um, uh, UC Irvine's coming to town. UC Davis. We're going on the road to Mississippi State week two, which will be nice. Uh, a nice tough challenge. Uh, we're going to Oklahoma State this year midweek, who's a top five program. So we got a couple good good non conference tests, and then as well as uh, you know. All the big guns in our conference are at home this year. We got uh, UCLA at home, Stanford at home, uh, the school down south at home. Uh, so we, we have Oregon State at home. So we should have a good, real good home home uh, schedule this year. Yeah, be checking out games at Packard Stadium. That's always a lot of fun. That's I mean the new pack. It's I, I understand the you know, but that that new environment. Uh, it's great. It's a great place to watch a game. So. Yeah, it is. It's they've done a, a really good job of converting. You know, the once uh, Oakland A's spring training and long time ago Giants spring training 
yep. but now Oakland A's as the most recent, uh, converting that into a, our college home, you yeah. know, which is, uh, it's a great place to play, great great place to watch a game, and, um, you know, we set a record in attendance last year for Muni, uh, but we, we want to shatter that this year. I so. used to go see uh, 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 minor league games there when I was a kid, like in the 70s and 80s. I, I, go, I go way back with that place. Willie, it was good to see you again. Thanks for stopping by. We wish you the best of luck this year. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, good, Willie. Good to see you as always. Good, good to see you, my friend. Willie Bloomquist joining us, ASU head baseball coach on the Burns and Gambo show. You never know who you're going to bump into down here on Media Row. When we come back, who would have thought after the crazy summer we just had that Kevin Durant is back on top of the list? That's next. The Burns.